Welcome back to a new episode of Natural Thoughts and Talks. This is Hannah. And this is Venture. And today we have a very fun and special guest for you guys. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Candice Lee-Nerquajar, and I'm co-owner of Alf's Body Art Studio on 2nd Street. Yeah. Where are you from? I am from Southern California, so actually Lakewood area. Oh, cool. Perfect, The Hawaiian Garden side of Lakewood. Cool. Nice, yeah. So, hey, thank you for coming out. Thanks for giving us a little bit of time. It's very casual here, as you can tell. You know, no... Nothing is off limits. Nothing is in trying to get you to say anything you don't want to say. We just like to have a good conversation and really kind of expose the businesses in the area to the community. We've been doing this show for about a year now, and it's kind of just a good idea we've had. Of We see all the businesses that we walk down on 2nd Street, and we're like, every one of these guys has a story, and we don't really have access to any of these stories. Some have been around for 30 years. Some have been around for five years. Some are brand new. And we love hearing how these are built and the people behind the great products and places and restaurants that we love to, uh, you know, shop at. So thanks for coming and telling the story behind your guys' tattoo parlor, right? Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, so let's get into it. What was the inspiration for just opening up a tattoo shop? Well, I met my husband back in 2016. And as you can see, I'm not a heavily tattooed individual, personally. But I've always been a supporter and lover of the arts. And so, of course, it's pretty natural that I ended up with an artist. Um, At the time when we met, I was still grant writing, mostly, uh, for nonprofits and working personally with um, children that are of high needs. Uh, So it was never my exact dream to open up a tattoo studio, but it's pretty natural progression for tattoo artists to to dream of that someday. And he thought of that maybe 10, 15 years down the line, you know. Uh, But when I got pregnant in 2017, shortly after we were married, um, like five months after we were married, things changed. That usually Let's pull the mic a little bit closer. That way we got you nice and clear. You can hear it. Is that better? Yeah, 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 that's That's perfect right there. Cool. (laughs) Yep. 2017, got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of accelerated the plans, if you will. And uh, then when I got put on bed rest in 2018, during the pregnancy, we had to move in with my parents because Alfredo's from Mexico and his green card was still in process. So it was just kind of circumstantial. And just for my health, I needed to move back home. So at that point, I was like, okay plans change now like we gotta get out of here how are we gonna do that (laughs) yeah that's pretty crazy how did before you start moving on from that where did you guys meet in mexico or here here so i'm a member of the house music community in los angeles for almost 30 years um i am a house head and i was part of a group putting together fundraisers for a friend who needed kidney um, surgery basically and we would put on pretty regular events, and it happens to be that one of Alfredo's tattoo clients, uh, he was visiting friends in Silmar from Mexico and tattooing some friends there. One of those friends happened to be the partner of somebody within that house music community. There's no other way he would have known about this party, this fundraiser. And I was managing the event, bartending, et cetera, and he showed up. And I pretty much know everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know this guy. And honestly, it was like one of those moments where like, he turned and smiled and laughed. And I was like, I need to know who this is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I trust myself enough at that point in my life where I needed to figure it out. Yeah. So pretty much just kind of 
flirted a little bit in the night and he took off right as I got a break to finally go talk to him. And I told my friends, wait, where did he go? He left without mm. saying goodbye. <laughs> Tell him right now that he needs to come back. Yeah. And, talk to me. <laughs> and they texted him and he was already almost back to Silmar from downtown LA. And I was like, okay, then let's just talk. And then it kind of went from there. Awesome. He was just visiting and then he went back home. Months later, we weren't committed yet, but we realized when he left, and we went, wow, we really miss each other. Mm. Like, okay, come back, let's figure this out. And then he came back by end of October that year in 2016, and the rest is history. Awesome. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And then you guys kind of started, how did the process of opening up the tattoo studio go about? Where do you start? You know, Did you look... On Second Street, was that the prim- primary location you wanted to be at? Did you? How was how was that process for you guys? It was long and arduous. Yeah. So actually, the thought started happening basically in well, like more seriously in 2018 oh. when we realized that our son has high needs and that I wouldn't be able to probably do the full time work that I was planning to do. Um, so, okay, we need to like accelerate this process. And he was working at somebody else's studio at the time in Orange County. And we were hoping to partner up with him and open something near the beach. So that was kind of the overarching, let's go closer to the beach. Um, that started in 2018, the thought, and then we started getting more serious about it in 2019 and started to look actually, um, in Newport beach area initially. Um, and then the adventures ensued as far as in 2019, we were literally looking at properties and things were kind of already getting a little ghost towny at the beginning of COVID. Mm. All right. So like in, we were kind of looking, looking in Newport and then the shutdown happened. So that got put on pause, all of it. (laughs) Um, but I still investigated because I'm more the business background person. He's more the artist person. Sorry. And, um, so that just began my adventures of figuring out how, how can we do this? Because then that partner pulled out, another partner came in, but I was still having to do all the, all the groundwork. Mm. So I started learning about the zoning laws and all the different nuances of this. And we got pretty far along on a property in Newport when literally I had already submitted for our permits and the process for that, they called me and said, oh, we just changed the laws basically last week. Oh, that sucks. So, sorry, we just had a meeting about it after you applied. Oh, no. You can't anymore. So, just overarching theme is not a lot of cities are very keen to give tattoo studios opportunities. Mm. And why is that? They consider it to be a blighting effect to the neighborhood so they that means basically it brings the whole neighborhood down oh it's bringing wow. trashy kind mm-hmm. of that like m- mystique of like yes. grungier oh that's so crazy it's the first time i really experienced that type of of attitude right. in my lifetime i can safely say mm-hmm. so it started to open my eyes about how difficult this process was likely going to be because not only do you have to find the city zoning you know, that, that lines up with what you want to do, but you have to find the owners that are down Mm. as well. So that became the second part of the challenge. So then we kind of moved down the coast to Laguna and the same process happened where we got to a certain point and then the owner pulled back, you know, and then we did it again in Seal Beach. And then, you know, like we kind of kept working our way up along PCH up and down. But I was, as I did that after the Seal Beach one, I had my like light bulb moment, like second street. Oh my mm. God, what am I, th- why did I not yeah. consider it Second Street? 
I absolutely the love best, Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then that started my adventures up and down 2nd Street with, again, owners not being keen on it, frankly. Right. I had a, um, quite a few, I had a really good business you know, um, plan and I present well and all these things, but they weren't even willing to give me audience mm. generally. It was just like, no, tattoos, no. That sucks. Ugh. It's a lot of the old guards yeah. still mm-hmm. in charge, right? So they have that that um, prejudice against mm-hmm. it. They think you're basically going going to be like in the old school, old old school, and no shade, but like the old old school as far as being almost like a money laundering mm. biker bar, bringing breath element, like really yeah. kind right. of. And it's crazy because the culture, like pop culture has shifted so much. I don't know why it would be so, I guess if you're just an old guy that's had mm-hmm. this building for 40 years and, you know, you stuff is working, you don't want anything shaking it up. I kind of get that perspective, but yeah. just not moving with the times. It's everybody, your grandma has a tattoo, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like it's, <laughs> it's not like, oh, only cons and felons have them, yeah. right? And it's just so cool. Right. Where do you guys currently stay right now? Like, are you guys in Long Beach or what city? <laughs> we're in Fullerton right now. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we're going to make our way back down after the lease is up in June. Yeah, okay. nice. Yeah, that'll be yeah. good. Yeah, we love Long Beach so much just because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not quite Orange County. It's not quite L.A. It's that perfect kind of happy spot. Yeah. And yeah. we've been building roots and doing it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Tell us about how old was your son during COVID? So you guys had the shutdown with like a three-year-old then, right? Or Yeah, he was born in 2018. So he basically was just under two years mm. old was when that, it started. Was that like a good experience, bad experience, both? How was it? It wasn't too much different than what we had already been doing from the newborn and mm. early toddler phase, yeah. frankly. I'm like, well, this is just more of the, the same as far as we're home. Yeah. <laughs> That's we awesome. We too much out of the house up to that point. So it wasn't too different, and it was okay. I mean, we we ended up having to we stay at my parents longer than we wanted to, so we were all together. But um, I think I will always cherish that time mm. because of that. You know, yeah. I mean, we were all together. Yeah. You don't get to do that very much. Yeah. You know? Is so. running a um, tattoo shop sort of similar to a barber shop in any way? To where like are the employees renting sort of like a space in your guys's area, or are they? Like, uh, are you guys full-time, like, you guys pay them? Or obviously, it's kind of like an artist. How does that dynamic work? So they are considered independent contractors. Oh, okay. Yeah, so as fine artists, because they are. Yeah. And so how we structure it is through commission structure, Mm. essentially. Because we're a really small space. It's only about 650 square feet. Um, and we have five booths in that space, so it's not really set up for, for rental structure, mm-hmm. but we do commission split, basically, which is pretty industry standard. That's awesome. Yeah, and we give higher than industry average, because we believe that artists should thrive, not yeah. just survive. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. What would you say is like the biggest difference in what you guys are doing? I know you, we talked on the phone and you have a lot of female led sort of you, you know, a lot of the artists there and you guys are really pushing for reaching your dreams. You know, if you have something, we love hearing stories about people who have an idea. This is what I'm most passionate about. And then they find a way to make a living off that, not only make a living, but really provide a lot of value to their communities. And that sounds like something that you guys are doing. And let's hear a little bit more about that. Well, I think... Just as a human, it's always been important for me to be very inclusive. Mm. I was always the includer. You know, even from elementary school, I was that guy. 
that would get the new kid and bring him in. Or I had friends in the special classroom that were my true friends. And I always found it really important to be inclusive, right, as, as just a person. So when it came to opening a, a studio like this, I was already pretty aware of kind of some of the historical kind of stereotypes around how that type of environment can be not so inclusive feeling for some people, right? Especially women and, and people of any type of alternative community. So one of my big things was to make sure this was going to be a very neutral space, very bright, very different mm -hmm. than what you might think of as a stereotypical type of parlor of old, right? Um, so that was important to Alfredo and I. But especially me when it came to kind of like developing the brand and the aesthetic of the space and also just to kind of energetically what we would be open to. We didn't put it out there to be the the women only type of tattoo studio. Right. There's not like, I mean, my husband's elf, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it just has happened to work out this way because I think when you set a space like that, that it's a safe space for all, you kind of draw the people mm. looking for that into you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Do you have any tattoos yourself at all? Or? I have two in one. So I have my power symbol of my power chakra on my back and my husband redid it. Mm -hmm. And that's it so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sensory sensitive myself. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, got you. I will when I feel ready. Um, I have some other things in mind. But. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Tell I, me about I it. have one. Um, I got my first one in 2020 after I graduated high school. Um, a little scary because I, one, I didn't know what it was going to feel like. Obviously you've never, I've, I'd never experienced anything like it before. So I was a little nervous about the feeling of it. But then also my parents are not the biggest fans of tattoos. Um, however, my older sister is covered in tattoos. So, and, and they love her. So I knew I was going to be safe, but it's still that, um, they appreciate the art very much. My sister has, I mean, I just have a quote on my leg, but my sister has a lot of art on her body of there's pictures of like Jesus and there's very like fine, you know, very well-made art. So they appreciate that, but they, they have an issue with putting ink in your body. They're like, I don't, and that it's permanent and things like that. So I was a little nervous also telling them about, Oh, I'm getting a tattoo. Um, but I have one so far, um, didn't really feel any of it. Um, don't know if it was the placement of it or if it was just my my reaction to the pain. I don't I don't know. I did, but I didn't feel it too much. Um, but I am thinking about getting some more. I want like small little ones, but then I'm also debating on whether or not to get a really big one on my back. So I'm kind of going mm -hmm. back and forth between just keeping them very small and then just like going all out. Yeah, I feel like you either hate them or you love them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's not a big in-between, whether you're like, you're, oh, I'm all in. Like, I'm all in. I plan on starting, like, my leg here mm -hmm. coming next year. But since I was 16, like, I was, it was funny because we had a relative who was an artist. And he was, I think he was an artist out of either Montana or Washington. And he was broke down in L.A. Like, he just couldn't, his car was broke down. He's like, hey, I'm tattooing to try to fix my car to get home, right? So, I told my mom and I was like, hey, can I get one? And he's like, sure. So we sent him the address and he like Ubered here with his like briefcase with everything. And then he just got it done right in the living room. So mine was like very not in the parlor because I wasn't old enough, but mm -hmm. it was fun. We just literally opened up a chair and he went and did my buffalo on my back and mm -hmm. I loved it and still looks great today. But yeah, yeah that's like 
the first tattoos are always, you know, iffy, right? Yeah. Like you don't know quite how it's going to go. But when people have issues with the uh, like permanence of it, I feel like those people are just kind of bad decision makers. Yeah. Is that kind of how it is? Like, no, I know I'm going to like it. Or people are always like, oh, what happens when you get old, right? And you're going to be wrinkly and it's not going to look good. It's like, well, my body's probably going to be old and wrinkly too, if that's the case, right? Like who cares if you might as well get it now and like love it, right? Yeah. And I think my thing is if you think about it, like once a week or every day or something, like, you know, there's people that are like, oh, I want this butterfly on my foot, right? Like I want it, I want it. And you've been thinking about it monthly or daily for the past two years go get it because it's really cool because you forget about it right like every tattoo that I get I'm always thinking about and then I'm like uh am I gonna get it am I gonna get it and then I get it and I just forget it's there like I forget the one on my sides here I, f I never see the one on my back until mm -hmm. you usually say something so it's like super cool how that artwork and you take it with you like that's why right. tattoos are my favorite form of art because mm -hmm. if you get an awesome artist you literally like I can only show that painting on the wall right like I don't really right. it's like it's limited but mm -hmm. when it's on your body you take it everywhere with you and it's beautiful mm -hmm. right that's why you know this these days and ages most people call people that get tattoos with that kind of sentimentality behind it collectors just mm. like artist collectors oh that's awesome because it really is true yeah you know, they and there are people that will travel the world to various artists of their liking to collect different art pieces from different artists and their body becomes their own living work of art i like that and so that's very much what we call our clients as well they are collectors mm. and but you have all levels of people just you know like in every industry you're going to get some people that just want the quick and and fast, small one, because they have an impulse. It's an impulsive thing. And then you have the people that think about it for a long time mm -hmm. and a long time. And, okay, I've made my choice. I'm going to go with it kind of thing. And, they, and then you have the people that want things that are very meaningful. Then you have the people that want just the aesthetic, just mm -hmm. the beautiful piece of art. And it doesn't have to have too much of deep meaning for them. Yeah. And everything in between, you know. So it's it's really interesting kind of getting to understand the, the behaviors and just the, the different types of clients that come our way. We have all types that come our way. That's so cool. Yeah, I wanted to get into your background a little bit with the grant writing because I know you said you've been doing that for over a decade, right? Uh, yeah. uh, in your past life, past career, right? And how did you, where did you go to school? So I, I went to all the junior colleges of Orange County and then to Chapman University. Awesome. Yeah. I got my degree in biokinesiology because I was going to initially be an occupational therapist for, for kiddos on, on the spectrum or for high-needs kids. I worked with high-needs kids during that time, too, as a behavioral therapist. Um, but once I graduated, because I worked my way through school, you probably I don't know if you had a chance to look at my LinkedIn, but a lot of things happened concurrently mm. at that time. Um, so by the time I was done, I kind of wanted a break before grad school, and I got an opportunity to go into biotech and kind of apply all my background skills and science understanding in that industry, in business development, and it was amazing. But during that time, I missed working with children. Mm. And I decided to start my own nonprofit during that time, um, bringing in my house music kind of love and community and um, bring it to kids that were in group care homes or that didn't have family so they could maybe build their own family around something positive around the arts because that was my experience in my house community is they are my extended family. So like no better way to do it. I want to bring this to kids. 
let me start a nonprofit while I'm traveling the world, working 80 hours a week. I mean, it was not mm. the wisest choice, frankly, yeah. but my heart was like, kids, I miss working with kids. Um, so that was my way of kind of doing that. And then by the time, like 2010, rolled 2010, when I started that nonprofit, I started to want to get into a youth home. I identified in LA called Optimist Youth Home. And at that time, they brought me in as their chair of their youth, their young professionals board, and I chaired it. And we just had good experiences, and they ended up hiring me as their grant writer on staff. And then, mm -hmm. so that's how I kind of applied my technical proposal writing skills from biotech and just my background, because I've also published in a research study in my undergrad. and. Um, I had a lot of business building experience from growing up in a family owned and operated corporation my whole life. So I was already kind of doing business stuff on the side and helping friends with marketing and the, kind of the psychology of that before going into biotech industry. So mm -hmm. kind of just like mixed it all together, applied it all to grant writing and it worked. Like I, I it was really a natural progression for me to go be grant writer on staff. So that started that whole period of my life where it was my nonprofit, what, music dancing, yeah. and working there. Yeah. What were some of the favorite organizations you were able to help? Well, that was the one that I was able to get the most funding for because I was on staff there. Okay, I gotcha. Um, so, I mean, everything from like dog therapy, money, um, gardening kind of therapy, all the adjunct therapies, including our program. So I got our program in there for music production drumming, singing, freestyle dancing. Um, and I even helped bring Native Instruments, who makes a lot of like production equipment for music. Mm -hmm. uh, they built out a whole music studio for music creation there that's still on campus there. So my that was probably my favorite thing that I was able to do is have like an actual music studio for the kids that are there with all the music in them yeah. to be able to use and create within it was my like favorite thing, but my nonprofit kind of morphed um, the programming of it and morphed, and then I started grant writing for. I kind of let it fall away, and I took the curriculum and it went over into a, an organization called Give a Beat. So um, that's my other like probably my proudest moment as a grant writer is I helped get one of five contracts for the state of California for their prison electronic music program. So oh. it's a DJing wow. and music creation and production program within the prisons here in California. That's awesome. So then I started to learn, I mean, I started learning so much about the school to prison pipeline and all the issues with mass incarceration during mm. that time and social justice and how arts really is, is the way that we need to kind of help bridge that gap or like arts is healing and, and needed in these spaces. So. Yeah, that was huge grant, and that really started a lot of good things for them. And then since then, we got like a reentry for those in reentry program. We have that that I helped get funded, and then I helped get funding for a music label for them. So basically, you know, people that are on the inside when they come out, they can get supported still, and then when they have music to release, they can get supported still because music labels are historically not very friendly, mm -hmm. you know, to people with different paths necessarily. And then we also have a youth program that's like getting funded. That so I'm proud to have like done a lot of work with yeah. them. I do a little bit less now just because of, of my life, but right. those skills were really invaluable because learning how to write a good proposal is and get money for it. Like I have to just write a good paper and convince them that we deserve their money. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good skill. Yeah. That feels really good. I feel like Robin Hood all the time. Yeah. Oh, you got too much money, you don't know what to do with it. I do. I like that. <laughs> so that's my favorite organization to work with yeah. still is Give a Beat. Uh, giveabeat.org mm-hmm. and um and then i work with you run this town i'm helping them here in long beach which is a youth program like youth entrepreneurial program um with she rose which is for uh women artists and um on the board of that organization and then i've had to just kind of pull my efforts back a little bit because mm. of having opened the business but um that's pretty much all i'm doing in that space right now is more I have people that write underneath me, and I'm kind of more the re- the strategy kind of developer, right. and I review, but I don't do as much as I used to right now mm. because of my, the demands of the studio right. and motherhood, number one. <laughs> Did you always have a dream of starting your own business, whether it was, you know, the tattoo studio or something else related to arts, or did you always have that dream of starting your own thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mm. I've been an independent contractor since 2014. Mm. Once I left the youth home, um, then I became a freelancer. So I've been independent since then. And yeah, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. Right. right? My grandpa was a little go-getter that came out here at 13 alone, you know, back in the days when you could do that on a train. Mm. (laughs) Where was he from? He came out from Missouri. Oh, cool. He had not a great childhood and not a great dad, and he just ran away out to L.A. at 13, Mm. started doing his own thing. He picked a good spot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a good time (laughs) to do that, right? Yeah. So he started, you know, um, working, like, preparing typewriters and then eventually office supplies and office furniture, and we had our family-owned and operated corporation. So I always knew that likely I would go that route because I was always like the entrepreneur of the family. Right. <laughs> I always had multiple things yeah. happening, side businesses and all the things. Yeah. <laughs> what has been the best part about having your own studio? Mm. To be able to just create a really safe and, and loving container for artists to feel like they can thrive within. Mm. That's always been of interest to me. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm more the dancer singer, um, but I have actually even managed an artist back in the day. It's one of the side jobs I did, and I I've always loved being able to help like jewelry artists, friends of mine, other artists, friends of mine that don't know how to promote themselves, that don't like it, they don't you know know where to start with the business side of things. And I can help them, like, get it out there and help them thrive so they're not stuck in the starving artist kind of mentality. Yeah, that's so awesome that you're doing that. We appreciate that. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you, um, because obviously starting your own business and and just doing what you love can be very hard, not just, like, financially and things like that, but also just what people are going to think, what they're going to say. And even just, like, for us or for me, like, I have... A YouTube channel and I try to do some social media stuff and it is a little sometimes I might be a little hesitant to be just out there and do what I truly want to do just off of fear of judgment or you know people are going to think this of me and this and that have you ever experienced any any judgment of any sort from either like your personal like your family or just when people are around I know you talked about obviously the the attitudes in the area towards you know, tattoos and just the studios in general. But for you, did you ever feel hesitant to just do your own thing? No. No. <laughs> I like that. I love that. No, but that's 
something instilled in me, I think, from yeah. my grandpa and my family. Like, awesome. I had advantages maybe that others didn't where I know that you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Mm. Like, I'm <laughs> not averse to calculated risk. And I think that's what you have to have yeah. in order to actually be an entrepreneur. Um, do I think about it sometimes? Sure. But we just move forward. Yeah. Like, you know, even, you know, even people near us and, you know, neighbors weren't too keen at first because, again, they think it's just going to be negative thing. You know, we had to, like, overcome that. But um, we just forge ahead. Mm. You know, they can they can see the, the proof in the pudding. Right. Like, I'm like, they'll get it. Once it started, that's yeah. fine. They don't get it. I do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a good question for you. <laughs> running a family business and being a part growing up and things like that. And then obviously running this now with your husband, do you have, what type of struggles does that bring as partners in business, you know, compared to like the traditional thought of like, can't work with your husband. You can't work with your wife. You guys are going to be up on each other all night, all day. You know what I mean? And it's just going to get too hectic. What do you guys find? Is it just a very natural thing or do you guys have your ups and downs and how do you guys work through that? I think that it's just a testament to our connection and what we appreciate about one another as far as my strengths and weaknesses meshing with his so well that we become a really stronger unit that way. Um, I think just communication has been key as far as this is what I'll handle. This is what you handle. Don't get bogged down in my stuff, and I won't get bogged down in yours. He's, I like to liken it to that he is the captain, pardon, of, of the ship. He is there at the wheel. I am the cartographer under the deck, you know, reading the wind and stars and plotting the plan, right? And, and we, he comes under the decks with me every night, and we convene, and we plan, and we talk, and we strategize. And then he goes back up on deck and has to, to lead the team, you know, on site. I'm not on site very often. Mm -hmm. So I'm more the behind the scenes gal. So how we do it is we just, we have our limits. We have our boundaries on like, okay, we're only talking about business when you get home until this time. Mm. And then it's relaxing time. Oh, that's awesome. And we have to like kind of compartmentalize. Otherwise, yeah, it bleeds into all of life, which it just does anyway, because all day long and behind the scenes, you know, answering client inquiries and booking people. Mm. I'm doing everything I can behind the scenes all the time, you know. So we just have to have those healthy boundaries, I think, and communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It. That's a really good answer. We appreciate that. Yeah. I want to talk about your favorite types of music. What are some of your favorite types? <laughs> We can, we can take it back a little bit. I know mm -hmm. we came in swinging and hard. That's what we do on this show is yeah. we're able to just kind of swing it. And, you know, I, I do a good job as a co-host. And sometimes one of my favorite quotes that my mentors gave me is people oftentimes don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Mm -hmm. So hearing about your love of music, hearing about the stuff that maybe doesn't sound super interesting, maybe because it's you, that's what our listeners love. They love to hear good uh, mommy stories, good, you know, music stories, things like that, because it makes people relate to you, right? And it makes people understand that next time they see it on Second Street, they go, oh yeah, I heard that thing. Let's go in there. You know, let's go check it out. Let's go say hi. It's not scary in there. It's a good right. place, right? So like, what? tell us about your love of music. Mm. Well, that's always been there. I came out of the womb singing. <laughs> <laughs> and my cousin and I used to perform for our families at every gathering and stuff like that. Um, we're just kind of a musical family. 
and um, I grew up even like performing and being in like musicals and plays and things like that. And so I was kind of on a trajectory to maybe even be in the industry. And mm. I even got to be part of the Young Americans after auditioning and all of that. Mm. Right before we went on tour, though, I got really bad laryngitis, and then mm. and then life kind of took me in a different direction at that point. But I've always loved singing and dancing. That's mm. my thing. Um, and I pretty much love it all. My dad was a huge influence in that, um, as far as his vinyl and classic rock. I mean, that was like classic rock and jazz. Yeah. was my dad's thing. What would he always play around the house? Oh, we, everything classic rock you can think. When I think of my dad, it's a lot of Doobie Brothers, um, a lot of Eagles. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like Gosh. what your dad plays a yeah. lot of yeah, yeah. whenever we're in town. That, that's the, you know, all of that kind of Chicago, that whole kind of aspect of classic yeah. rock. I And then my el- eldest brother was like the Led Zeppelin and, you know, the ACDC and kind of like that aspect of rock. And then I grew up in heavy metal with my other eldest brother and like we were into like Metallica and, and even like punk and ska, early ska in Orange County and everything. And so I had a lot of different... Um, influences with my eldest brothers and my dad and then my mom was like the classical music gal mm. all the time around the house so you know I got kind of a, a really interesting kind of diverse music kind of exposure when I was young but um, for a long time my big loves were classic rock and like most of my tapes that I still have, my cassette tapes are all pretty much like classic rock mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like Queen and um, Heart. I love singing Heart <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my first 45 I ever bought with my own money when I was tiny was Funky Town, and that's like the first choreography I ever did <laughs> in the like, mirrors. So um, it just continued to evolve. I pretty much have always been open to different styles of music um, and going to a lot of music shows. I mean, that was like my main thing. For many years, and then when I went, I lived in Italy in '98 for um, study abroad in Florence, and that's where I got exposed to house music, mm. and that really changed my world in a lot of ways because I had just turned 22, and before that, I was kind of trying to go out and find places to dance as an adult, but it was it was not very fun because you know, like the again kind of stereotype of, of basic clubs where the dudes would try to touch too much, and I was just on defense a lot, and I was having altercations, like, you know, putting guys in wrist locks. And, like, this was not fun. Yeah. I just want to dance. Right. Like, can I do that as an adult? And when I was in Italy, we went to one of the river boats. They have a lot of, like, clubs and restaurants and things on boats on the river. So we went to one of theirs, and everyone was just looking at the DJ. And the music was, like, driving, and I could get into it. Like, I always liked dance music and disco, you know, growing up. But I never really knew. I wasn't a raver kid. I didn't really go and find it that way. But I found it on, on the rivers of Florence. And I just love that everybody was minding their own business and mm. just dancing and leaving you alone. Right. I was like, this is heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and I just connected to to the rhythm, like the consistent rhythm. It's the same BPM as like your heart in motion. And I just found my pocket and I was dancing for hours. I'm like, this is heaven. Mm. And when I got home, I found that um, with an old friend of mine um, who used to be like my martial arts partner. He became a DJ as I trained in different martial arts anyway. And so I found kind of that family in L.A. and kind of 
figured out my little special kind of group that weren't really into like hard drugs. It wasn't about getting all messed up when you were out. It was like really about the music and and the community around that and the family you build around that shared love of, of music, which to me is really ancient. I mean, we as, as species have been dancing around the fire and drum since we've been around. Where do we have that now? We don't. You know, so to have like that consistent drum rhythm with fa- with family, basically, you know, around the fire or the DJ, if you will, it's really soul satisfying. Like I can't even describe how Im- important it is in my life, like and how much it's it's shaped me and how much it's been there for me for like and it always has been for all of us as like celebration, rites of passion like to process grief to celebrate to pray I'm like giving out energy and praying while I'm dancing like it's really a deeper experience than just like "Ah," Mm. you know like let me get messed up it's never been about that for me um and a lot of the people in my community that I consider like family now so I love house music I'm big big in that's awesome but also neo soul r&b blues like jazz and it all can actually be remixed into house music. So you mm. find a lot of those elements in house music because you have New York style, Chicago style, Detroit brings in the techno style, then you have New York style, then you have Miami style, then you have LA style. And it's all a little bit different. You know what I mean? And um, I really love house music. <laughs> and I that's like what it. I sing. I actually am a singer. Like that's the, the art that I still try to find time to do is and I have some tracks that are released and cool. more that are coming and things like that so that's fun that's my big thing yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's really cool what music and just art in general can do for people and really bring people together and I think it's really cool that you guys decided to open the studio too and just kind of changing the narrative a little bit of we want to be inclusive and bring people together and and have that open space just like how music is too. It gives yeah. people that space to open up and, and feel free and and just be themselves in that however they however they want to be. And I think it's awesome. That I think the best part about art is how timeless it is. Mm, yeah. Music, you know, visually, whatever your art is, you're able to connect to something a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, this year, things like that. That's mm. the best part, right? I feel like mm. If I could build a school, primarily would just be at least half would be about art. That's all it'd be because you learn everything about life through art, Mm. right? I was a big sports guy growing up too, and it's the same thing, you know. What it just depends on what you're, you know, passionate about and arts, sports, everything. You don't have to just sit down in the classroom, right? And it's like how. like how functioning is your son as far as if you're comfortable, can we talk about like autism and things like that and just kind of spread a little bit of awareness about that? Because that's, I would say new parents, it's a big fear of theirs. Right. And it's one of those things where it doesn't matter where the cookie crumbles, right? You just go with it. And it's something that just because you maybe have a son that has autism or a daughter, it's not the end of the world. Like it's far from that. Right. So tell me about a little bit with your experience about that. Uh, well, luckily, I was lucky enough to have a background mm-hmm. with my kiddos mm-hmm. since That's what I wanted to say, too. It's crazy that you had all that experience and then... You, no accident. Yeah. I was prepared. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so 
I mean, and also I also was very lucky to have a brother who's a pediatrician and started specializing in that area on a biomedical side of things, like functional and integrative medicine. Oh, wow. So we both kind of knew what to look for mm. a little bit. And um, so I think, I mean, you go through the processing of it all initially because you just, you don't want anything to hinder your child's ability to thrive, mm. right? Like that's the only thing that's difficult about it first. Like how is this going to affect him? Mm. Right. Um, like I like to say the struggle is always his before it will be mine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that's important to keep in mind. Like this is my tiny human that I'm in charge of. Whatever he's challenged with is first his challenge. And I just need to support him through this challenge rather than feeling like this is my challenge. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how to ex uh, explain it any better than that. But I think that's just a good lens to, to remember to look through it if you are faced with that ever, mm. um, is just to support this tiny human to reach their potential, whatever that means for them. So another good quote that goes around in the community is, um, when you find out, you just dream new dreams. Mm. Um, you just basically scrap every developmental book that you had and don't care anymore about that those milestones you just don't care about how it compares to other kids anymore and you just pour all your love and everything you can and allowance into that little soul and just support them however you can you know and i think one of the coolest parts is like autism in society right now obviously is looked at as less than, but my experience with all the children I grew up with and went to school and the relatives that I have is there's always a few superpowers that you come out and you're just like, oh, wow, you're at a higher level than anything that I could just like, there's a couple guys I've known that just memory. How do you remember everybody in the school's birthday? Just everybody in the yeah. school would be, oh, today we have four birthdays here, four birthdays there, blah, blah, blah. And it's just the most, like, or creativity, right? Sometimes they just get into robotics and it just, like, the stuff they're able to accelerate at such a young age is, like, the kid who won the science fair was, you know, on the spectrum and just, like, the big, they, like, we were building volcanoes. We were doing this, this kid, this kid had, like, all of Paris mapped out from memory and just like wrote it out. And it's just like super cool that it's not like in the box. And we love that. We love stuff that's just so out of the box and quote unquote weird or whatever it is because it's, it keeps life interesting. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's a big broader topic too about just neurodivergence in general. Mm. Right. And how it's always existed. Um, and likely most of the people that have changed the world and prolific artists and scientists throughout history likely have had some yeah. type of neurodivergence. Um, and you know, as far as, as whether every kid does know, not every kid has a savant quality. So, mm -hmm. you know, we do want to honor those who are severely disabled too, mm -hmm. and not able to have any kind of savant quality or have um, much independence in life and really struggle like you know so you have I don't mean, it's not really even a hierarchical leveling anymore it's more of you think of the diagnosis as we understand it now as more of like a pizza and each slice of pie is or a pie and each slice is a different aspect of of livelihood and independent living right and whether you go in or out on, you know, into the center or out from the center kind of depends on level of independence in that area or category of life, right? 
So cognition, sensory struggles, I mean, all the different things that can be affected by the diagnosis. So yes, you have some that are able to be pretty fully independent, right? And, and it's as, to me, as individual as each human is. Right. Um, each individual human is going to have their challenges and strengths, right? And that's how I kind of just look at each individual rather than as a diagnosis in general, mm-hmm. because you'll, you'll have the children that don't have that kind of savant quality, but you often find that. So of course we, you know, we go on like the bell curve model of this, that 70% under the bell curve is going to have likely some challenges that might not be too debilitating to their life and then have some savant qualities that, that they're really ahead in. And you find that very often, like where you have kids super developed in one area, advanced in one area and underdeveloped and not as advanced in others, right? When it comes to functional living skills and things like that. And then everything in between. So, mm-hmm. and then you get the kids, you know, to the left of the curve that are, are really struggling, you know, and, and really have so many layered things going on that it's going to be hard for their genius to be seen, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the kids to the right of the curve that are more the ones like the Bill Gates and the Elon Musks that are mm-hmm. they're able to to be fairly independent and their savant qualities can be supported in that way, you know, and, but most kids are kind of in the middle. Like, you, you know, a lot of kids I worked with, you have the kiddos that are hyperlexic that read really young, but they won't be able to look at anybody in the eye and they can't have a conversation. You know what I mean? Um, they'll be able to memorize books, but they won't be able to take that language and functionally use it in a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, or like you said, some kids that will be able to, photographically memorize something and repeat it and then but they won't be able to um get themselves dressed necessarily you know so it's just it's so individualized and if I could in my dream world every child should get what's called an IEP which is an individualized educational plan Mm. every child deserves that no matter what (laughs) whether they're you know neurotypical or, or neurodivergent right and and every child should kind of just be supported and where where they're weak and and allowed to thrive and supported and where they're strong and celebrated and where they're strong, you know. And everybody has strengths and weaknesses. We can find it in everyone. But I think you know Rain Man did a little disservice. Oh yeah. <laughs> to the community as far as thinking that you know every child is going to have that savant quality when, yeah. when they don't generally, but it can happen. Right. Yeah. So I just I ride the fine line because <laughs> mm. it's a sensitive one in the community. Um, because unfortunately not every, not every kiddo has that advantage Mm. or is able to express it really. It's in there, but because they have so many other challenges, sensory and and body wise, right there, that's not able to kind of fully express or manifest for Mm. them all, but some. (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense. So yeah. I have a, a huge like background in this. Yeah, yeah. of course. So. We love hearing. And this is just, yeah. this is the first episode. We're going to have to have you on again to kind <laughs> yeah. of dive into. You gave us so much stuff to pull from and like weave in and out. And it's really awesome. But I'd say as we're kind of landing the plane here of this interview, I like to close off with kind of two main questions. Is there anything that we didn't ask myself or Hannah that maybe you wanted to touch on before we finish yeah, sure. So to to go back to the studio and kind of the vision for it, mm. right? The mission, if you will, is really like to create the, like a friendly, bright, inclusive tattoo studio, right? That that all are welcome within. And what I've been most proud of is our endurance in in 
um, being able to continue operations without having our team really set yet mm. uh, for a long time. It was just proved more difficult than you might think to assemble the team, right? So um, we had had some people kind of come and go, but I'm really loving right now the mix of, of artists that we have in there. We've had some international artists in there. Um, we have their art on display in there. So right when you walk in, um, the first thing you note that's different is that it's very bright and white. Mm. Um, it's white everything. This was my thing because traditionally um, you might think of it as dark and mm. black and heavy. Um, there is jewelry. There's all of the artist's bright art on the walls. Um, it's very airy and light and there's nice music playing. And we've had many people when they walk in say like, wow, like they have said this isn't scary at all mm. and it's been mostly the women clients I think when you set that energy in there it like I said draws in the right clients mm. and it draws in the right artists and it's taken some time but we have a wonderful crew right now of up-and-coming and established artists with my husband being the most established artist and he grew up you know, and, and worked in the street shops where he paid his dues and he had to learn every style mm. and he's still kind of developing his signature style, but he's a color guy mm. and he's a very lighthearted guy and a safe place. Yeah. He grew up raised by his mom and sister and, um, I'm just very proud. It makes my heart so happy that my husband has that basically aura about him when when even if a woman walked in there alone and he's there by himself they feel comfortable mm. that's so important yeah. because you hear the opposite so often mm. um it's it's not an intimidating space and anyway and my husband is so lovely um he's the, he's the best yeah. you have to like go meet him he's yeah. hilarious he's so open-hearted and warm um, and that has just like set that energy to bring in those type of people with us. So we have he and Jose, who's another artist, um, originally from Argentina. Oh, cool. And, um, and he does kind of more darker subject things and he's a, an amazing fine artist and he's kind of our, um, second most experienced artist there so far. And then we have, and so it's been a family affair. So I have my friend Jamie, who is also a local from Long Beach, and she um, has a face painting company. She just had her second baby. I've been supporting and promoting her art, and get, I even got her to, to work with the kids at the youth home I used to work on back mm. in 2010. So I've been a supporter of her and trying to professionally you know, lift her art for like 13-plus years. Right. So I got her in. Oh, she sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and so she's still kind of apprenticing. And then... Um, from my house music community, um, Big C is number two to Marcus Wyatt, which is Deep Parties in L.A. His little cousin was tattooing. We brought her in. She does more of like the Chicano fine line, kind of that classic cool. lettering mm -hmm. and subjects. Like, And she's been an amazing addition and brings in great energy. And her name's Alex. And then, you know, just like little by little, then we brought in Courtney, who used to work on Second Street at Catalyst and managed. Mm. She had the dream of being an artist went and got some mentorship elsewhere and she does like dot work geometric sacred geometry wow. so we're just kind of like hitting all the different angles yeah. she's coming and she's got great energy and then from that too we have um two other female apprentices one just is also a local from long beach um and she's starting to see clients now mm -hmm. for money so like little by little the team's been being set it just happens to be mostly women yeah, yeah. but this is also quite unusual mm -hmm. for tattoo studios again we didn't put out 
you know, any kind of ad for that. We're open to everybody. Yeah. And we've had other artists kind of flow in and out, but we have just that really beautiful team set where it's a family kind of affair. Everybody's super supportive. Um, there's none of like the weird energy. You mm. understand? Like, I, I, I will not accept any kind of like mean girl energy in my life. We're yeah. all like women's women kind yeah. of thing. And we all support each other's art. I'm there doing like artist development behind the scenes, um, meeting with them to kind of help develop them each as artists because how I, I want everyone to remember is that they are artists first. They are mm. fine artists and not just technicians. Right. And you can kind of separate the two. You have the technical application and then you have the art. Right. And they, they kind of blend in tattooing. But when you think about it, like tattooing and the medium of skin and those tools are kind of the hardest art mediums to work with. Mm. Yeah. And so that's like the highest level of art to me is being able to actually take your art and put it onto this canvas and with those tools. And then, you know, all the other art, as far as level of difficulty and experience that you need are kind of like go down in difficulty for me from there. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful space. Everyone's very much just focused on art. We don't have anyone with like weird rock star attitudes. Mm. Everyone's super welcoming and warm. Yeah. We love hearing about the team. That That was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we're, we're hoping to get one of the international artists back with us who also does like, um, dot work, huge sacred geometrical, big body pieces from Japan. We're working on his work visa right now, Hiro. And so, you know, I just would love for anyone to stop by to even just meet the team and get a feel for it. We have a disco bathroom, which is really fun. <laughs> so it's been my dream to turn a bathroom into like a small disco. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and there's interactive art in there and everything. The balcony has amazing views yeah. and we always welcome people to just come hang. That's like our waiting room. And then I'm going to be starting Music Mondays every oh, once cool. in a while um, to bring in music into the art space because we want to become a music and art authority mm-hmm. of Second Street because there really isn't that there. Yeah. And that's what else I'm doing behind the scenes that I haven't even gotten into yet is that I'm part of the um, business association there. And I, you know, I'm a regular there. I contribute as much as I can. Right now there's um, Second Street art scene on the Big Belly trash cans where artists have submitted art to be like on those posters and people are voting, but I'm making a big effort to try to bring more public art to the street. You know, there's a, the mural that just went up by Gregory uh, Siff mm-hmm. that's on the second street. It's the second hand clothing store mm-hmm. called second street. Super smart. Um, but that whole wall, I think begins a new era for second street. Mm-hmm. I'm very much interested in bringing more art and music and culture to second street yeah. because what I haven't also touched on is I did grow up around here. So I went to the preschool at Cal state long beach while my mom was getting her degree there. I went and to that preschool too. when my mom was getting her degree <laughs> there. <laughs> did you, do they still have the goats? Uh, I don't animal. know. No, I not when I was so. a kid there. No, they did when I did. They should oh, bring wow. those back. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Have pictures of that. Yeah. So I grew up out here, and then I also lived in Long Beach a few different times. Um, so I've you know been the one going to you know the beach, the the trail, and in, in the morning and stuff like that. I have such a deep love of Long Beach. It is so unique. I've traveled a lot in my time. And when I was in biotech business, I traveled internationally. And the more I did that, honestly, the more I appreciated California. (laughs) And the more I appreciated parts of California that were so special. And Long Beach has always been that gem for me. 
I have always wanted to come back down here. So to be part of Second Street, when I've seen its iterations for the past four decades plus, um, is really, really an honor to me uh, personally. And my husband understands it too. He feels very lucky that we finally found an owner who was ready and down. And honestly, there was one of the their four partners that wasn't sure about it. And that was eight months of negotiation. That was our eighth location that we tried Mm. until we finally got it in eight months of negotiation until we finally signed it. It was so hard earned for our little family. It's, we got everything in that studio, but to be part of it is, is a huge dream come true to be part of that kind of art community Mm. of Long Beach. You know, not only is Long Beach so much an art authority globally and locally, but it's also a tattoo historical kind of you know, legendary place to be. I'm like, we are now part of legacy. Yeah. Uh, we're part of tattoo history in Long Beach. Like mm. that is such an honor yeah. for us. We very much are aware of, of, you know, the history of tattooing in Long Beach and what it mm. means and, um, and second street and what it really needs. You know, it needs more art, yeah. it needs more youthful culture down mm-hmm. there. We as all locals all know, you know, where second street is strong and where it, could improve and we want to be part of that improvement so my grant writing efforts in fact one of our apprentices who's no longer with us why is because I helped her win a grant with Long Beach Art Council and she is now like doing their she went like a $50,000 grant to do a year-long project with another um, community um, organization and so I am getting grants behind the scenes for more artists kind of opportunities up and down second street art on the streets paints you know like murals and the center, um, what they call that, down the center divider, mm-hmm. just trying to bring more arts, music, and culture to Second Street because it needs it. Yeah. And yeah. so to be able to kind of like direct my energy that I have a lot of love and, and ability and, um, and passion for doing so is wonderful. I do it when I can, as much as I can, till we get more help with our boy because we have no help right now. Mm. No therapy, no babysitters, no family that can help. It's just my husband and mm. I. Wow. It's been really hard. Yeah. Uh, the, the more my time is freed up a little bit, the more I can kind of be down here more and bring my literal energy onto the street more. Yeah. But we're going to have like karaoke and we're going to sing with my friends. I don't know if you know Ernesto who dances on second street yeah seen the dancing guy yeah he's my good friend everybody knows him yeah. yeah so he and i are collaborating to do cool. some things and um so I'm very much about expression and supporting those who want to fully express and how we can bring kind of that energy to second street a little bit mm. more to kind of loosen up the the button up yeah yeah um, the reputation of it yeah. a little yeah. bit you know what i mean i you're appreciate awesome. you yeah, yeah that's awesome. awesome we appreciate you telling your story and that's sort of a passion of my love here and I is bringing that to light, you know, really showing that off and presenting that because it's, it's, it's all just sitting here. It needs to be dusted off a little bit. It needs to be shined up Mm. and Hey, this is what brought to the people. Right. And that's what I love doing. We love hearing those stories and just kind of digesting stuff like that. And I think our last question that we have for you is who are maybe two to three people they can be fellow business owners they could be fellow artists they could be you know just somebody that you think has an awesome job or they're doing really fun stuff that maybe we could reach out to here in southern california and maybe get them on the couch that you're in and see if we could hear a little bit about what they've been going through and what they have going on Mm, well on second street (laughs) because i'm big into promoting that i mean 
It would be great if you could even speak with Heather Kern, who uh, leads the business association down there. Mm. She's amazing. Cool. And she has really good vision. Um, she's some fresh energy. Mm. So I love collaborating with her. I would definitely talk to her about kind of the vision of Second Street that oh, that's she has. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm working with her, you know, behind the scenes. And then, um, of course, the owners of Candified mm. have a lot of passion. They're all across the street from us. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. They would be really great to talk to. They're super inspiring. Cool. The, that gal won some um, reality shows for candy making. Oh, wow. And then had her own show, I think, and then now has opened this store. So cool. she's got a really, really cool story, yeah. you know. Um, who... That, I mean, as far as Second Street, I would love to like promote them first. Of yeah, course. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I've developed also a relationship with the owner um, of Hummingbird Heart Company, Anna. Oh, and they okay. have two locations on that street. And mm. she's just opened her elevated bottle shop, which is like functional beverages. And we had them at our grand opening not that long ago. Um, to serve some of these kind of different type of adaptogenic and functional drinks for those, you know, wanting to kind of get away from alcohol. And I just super support her and that mission and vision. She has like sustainable products and gifts and just check out both her stores. She would be yeah. a great one to talk to. What too. was her name? Anna. 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 I can gotcha. link you awesome. up with her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those would be my top three. Heather, awesome. Anna, and I can't remember the gals' names at Candified, but... They awesome. would be, yeah. they would be really I love good. that they're all female business owners we're, too. Yeah, we're yeah. trying That's to get more um, just females. Mm. We've had a lot of like been men a bunch and, of dudes. Yeah, there's dude been a lot heavy. of guys here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's guys. really cool having you, you know, of course, and then just having more more girls on for sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So thank, thank you, you for, for promoting that. And yeah. Thank you for being here. I think you're awesome. Everything that you're doing is just it's really cool just seeing how you just balance everything you know you have life you got business and you got you have so much going on but you're but you're here and it's really cool hearing stories of of real people doing doing real things um so i really want to thank you for taking the time to come to come here and, and tell us about everything that you have going on and and i mean i'll, I'll probably go to to the studio to get my next tattoo for yeah, sure. Yeah, pretty soon, definitely. Um, I want to get some more, so I'll probably I'll probably head over there yeah, we'll for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's just down the street too, so it's it's perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. There's so much else you can do. You know, yeah. Grab some food. Come yeah. get a tattoo. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much for for coming on, and mm. we'll catch you guys later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Digest. Of Candace. Yeah. It was a great episode. Yeah. You can hear yourself just fine. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. I like hearing how the businesses were started. Mm. Things. Oh, excuse me. There's a little mini donkey on the Instagram <laughs> opened up. Yeah. Hearing about like how businesses started. We're definitely going to have more people like that on because mm-hmm. it just helps out. I really like it. Well, it's also cool because every business starts with a person and I mean, there's regular people that end up starting a business that turns out to be successful or yeah. not successful, you know, but it also starts with a regular person. And I think that's really cool. It's very relatable in that sense of like, well, people, you know what I mean? I'm not some extraordinary this and that, you know, most of the times it's like we had an idea and I wanted to start it. Yeah. And I think it was kind of weird when we first started being like, oh, how are we going to have people on? Like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. How are we going to book this and that? And then recently I've been really putting more time into reaching out to people and mm-hmm. the feedback I've been getting is 
surprising. Yeah. Like it's really good. So yeah, we'll just reach out to more. Basically the criteria is just like anybody that we think has an interesting setup going on. Mm -hmm. Reach out, good vibe, and it worked out. It's nice. Yeah. It's always nice when you kind of see the vibe and you like check the website out, check the Instagram page out, and they're like, this will be good. Mm -hmm. I think this would be a really nice topic to talk about and learn about. And it worked out. Yeah. So that's awesome. It's kind of funny because usually when there is someone that owns a tattoo studio, they're all tied it up. But mm -hmm. she is just the complete opposite of that. You yeah. Know? Very like unconventional. Not what you would think. Huh? Yeah. Like you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. Which I think is kind of cool. Like it adds a lot of, you know, something extra to it. It's almost like those cut videos we watch on YouTube. And it's like uh, pick out who owns a tattoo studio. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like pick out who owns a bakery. And then it'll be like big biker guy that owns a bakery and then someone like her with the tattoo studio it is it, it's nice though that they kind of have this like it needs to be open and light and inviting and like everyone wants to be you know things feel safe i've never really thought of that before because i think all tattoo studios are just like grimy and like dark and like that's just how they are that mm -hmm. i've never really thought of it being anything else but yeah. it's nice that they are like well no like we don't want it being, you know, a place where you might feel a little unsafe or like, oh, like unsure, like it needs to be open and bright and light. Or like nervous. Yeah. That's the thing too is like, it's already nerve wracking enough mm -hmm. doing a permanent change to your body, right? And no matter what it is, you're going to have second thoughts. Even if it's like yeah. the coolest tattoo, you're like, uh-oh, what if, what if, right? The average person mm -hmm. and then having that with all the pressure, right? And yeah. it's kind of funny. So it's nice. Just like, uh, like piercings. I don't know if they do piercings there. Mm. But might we'll have to look into that. I think it's just tattoos. Mm. But remember when you went to the piercing shop and they're just like this curtain and then they rip your shirt off and do this and you're like, yeah. hold on now, like, yeah. calm down. Can I like wait a second? Yeah, so, can, can I say hi? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome when they're relatable and it's more of like a normal inviting environment. So yeah. That's always good. Yeah. House of Kardashian. Wild. I like that. I think it just dropped within the last few days or so. And I love Kris Jenner. Mm -hmm. She's like my favorite. You know that, right? She's really cool. I think I think I have mixed feelings about her. I think she's really cool. Just like what she's done is really cool. I, and how she's supporting her kids and like managing them. But I'm also like, you're kind of exploiting your kids too. I think she's the greatest pimp you know, of all time. She yeah. is. So it's like, it's a, it's a double-sided thing. I think of like, you're kind of exploiting your kids now, a lot of them, like, I mean, Rob has chosen not to do anything. So then she's not going to be the one to, like, push him to do it. So they still have a free will here. But it's still, like, she released that sex tape. We all know that. Oh, it's you amazing. Know? She hit send. I think she released this. I think she's doing, she's doing everything, babe. She's behind it all. Like, you're not yeah. just going to pull one over on her. I think she's got it. She's like, yeah. how do you beat Apple? You know, right. it's like, I think Kris Jenner could be Apple, you know, yeah. like she could put something out that's like, you know what? They just don't support us. And I bet Apple's sales would drop like a lot. They'd be like, you know what? I think we should just all go to Android. And there'd be some people that'd be like, oh yeah, let's do Android. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, she's, she's fun. She's cool. I like yeah. her. I like it. I just like stories like that. People that kind of come up from nothing and just make it happen. Right. They just make it make sense. No matter how it happens, I just like <laughs> that it's there, right? Like, whatever the route was, as long as it's kind of fairly ethical, I guess, nobody, like, died or anything. What if she did the OJ murder? What if she was behind that, too? Damn. Conspiracy, huh? What if she wanted Allegedly. OJ so bad that she was like, 
That's killer. She put that glove down. It turned out to be her glove. Mm-hmm. That'd be wild. That's why it fit. Yeah. It's smaller. It's her Bronco, everything. <laughs> I just like talking about all this. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's a cool era. Like those, that 90s era, 80s they're talking about and just... Everything, I think in America, like the late 80s, early 90s, everything was so bigger, bigger, bigger. Like, get as big as you can. The steroids, the sports, like it was at the height of everything. Mm-hmm. Being, be as big, fast, strong, famous as you can be. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. It's fun to look back on. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But, what do you got? How was breakfast? Good. It was yummy. I like, I like bagels. Mm. I, I prefer plain bagels over all the other ones. Makes sense. Everything bagels, bagels get a little much sometimes with all the seasoning. Yeah, I don't like the onion part of the everything bagel. And then bagel. Um, like the blueberry ones or like the cinnamon, whatever, they I don't, they get a little sweet for me, but the plain ones are good. I think I like bagels because they have the most variety. Mm. Cinnamon, blueberry, chocolate, plain, like... Chocolate bagels? Mm-hmm. There's chocolate chip bagels. You ever had one? No. Oh, we well, can get you That's one like later. That's like a treat. It's yeah. like a little snack. Einstein, Einstein's Brothers or Einstein Bagels has a good chocolate mm. bagel. We'll get you one. They have one of those over at the traffic circle, I think. Yep. So we'll go get you one. Mm-hmm. At least when I was a kid, they did. Maybe they discontinued them. Yeah. But Who knows? Yeah. How have you been feeling? Good. I feel like I'm a little tired still. Like, mm. I think I, I never really fully woke up after our second time waking up. We can go up. hop in the ocean if you want. No, it's okay. That'll I'll just take a cold shower. No, Not no, no. In the shower. Ocean. No. Um, I feel good, though. I don't feel sick. I don't feel anything like that. I just feel... A little foggy. What would it take for you to get in the ocean right now? You would need to pay me like $5,000. Really? $5,000? So if I had $2,000, you're not going to do it? $2,500. $2,500. Honestly, realistic, if I had $700, you'd probably do it, right? I don't know. Oh. Who's this? Should I answer this? It's Daniel. Yeah, pause it. I don't think we should pause it. Hold on. Hey, I got you on the podcast. Hey, I'm on the podcast right now. You got something to say to the people? Hey, I just bought a new car. Okay, shout out to Daniel. Let me give you a call in like 15 minutes, okay? All right, all right. All right. Cool, cool. Bye. He had a haircut and a new car, I guess. Mr. Arnold. Well, where's the money he owes you? Uh, <laughs> you better tell him about that. That's a good question. Alas, so now you got money to pay me back. Yeah, huh? right. Out here buying a new car, getting a haircut, but he can't pay you back. Come hey, on now. I guess that's that's what it is, right? But I'd rather be the guy who's getting asked for money than the guy asking for money. I low-key have a pet peeve with people that ask to get money back. Let's say like I bought you coffee. I don't expect you to give me money back. It's okay. It's five dollars. It's whatever. But if I buy you something bigger, the fact some people are very slow with paying someone back. Well, I have a question. This just happened yesterday. So, and I'm in like a little bit of a gray area, but I'm not mad at all. So (coughs) your sister, we all went like shopping and stuff like that. And then we got the McDonald's, right? And then I paid for her McDonald's, Mm -hmm. right? So it was a little interesting at like Marshall's and at Target. She didn't really like volunteer to pay for it back, which I'm not salty about, right? How much like, were I'm totally they? $7? But let's say it could Six have been, bucks. yeah, yeah, something. What, the nuggets? Or yeah. I don't know how much. Oh, she just got nuggets or did she get like a combo? No, she just or got nuggets. Okay, yeah. So I don't know. What did I have? It should have been like, hey, I'll get that a little bit or something like that or I'll like send you, you money. You would have wanted her to buy you one of the shirts or what? All I'm saying is she's the only Swede 
who hasn't been like up my ass about trying to give me money back. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, like it's whatever. But it was just something that I kind of noticed mm -hmm. of like, or she didn't like put her card up or it wasn't, do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm okay to pay for it. It's yeah. fine. But now I'm curious, how does the relationship work? Like, so because I paid, does she pay for something of yours or like, how does it? I think, I think with like her and I, or like someone that you interact with often and like, there's a higher chance of me buying you something, you buy me something, whatever. It evens out eventually. So so, so at like some point, is it going to even out for me or do you just take yeah, the... Yeah, maybe next time she'll, like if we're at, we're getting food or we're getting something, she'll be like, oh, I can pay for it. Or okay. You know, like it evens out eventually. And if it doesn't, if we're here next year and you're like, she did not even out. Maybe bring it up. <laughs> okay, so I'll give it a year. That's fine. <laughs> give it <fine>. a year. <laughs> but like, I'm not mad at all. It's seven bucks. Yeah. I was just like kind of throwing it out there. And what if we were, because she's always in the back seat. What if we were driving and then we get to the thing and then both of us at the same time just like turn around and look at her and we're like, come on, like, where, what do you got going on? Do you have on? your card? Or... Yeah, well, why is it not ready? Or we show up to the, the, the payment station. And you drive forward And a we're bit. all just quiet. We're, they're like, okay, it'll be 17.45. And we're just sitting there, you and I, and then we're like, Waiting for her to take it up. <laughs> no, no. What if we like, you know, like she's in the left behind the driver or whatever. And we just like pull up a little bit so that her window is at the thing. And then you roll her window down and then she's just looking at the guy like, okay. It'd be mm -hmm. kind of funny, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But it's whatever. Yeah. I was just kind of throwing it out there. Yeah. Uh, workouts. Mm -hmm. How's workouts been going? Good. I worked out yesterday, ran and did the kettlebell stuff. You feel recovered or feel what is good. your recovery level at? I feel sore, but I feel like it's manageable. I just don't, I'm starting now, like I'm not running every day. I'm mm -hmm. running every other day. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so today I'm not running, but I will stretch and then I'm going to do core today. I like that. Um, and then tomorrow I'm going to run again. So yesterday you were talking about like the workouts and things like that. Like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, let's say, or, you know, I could be going harder. Um, I could be going harder. However, it would make it harder to wake up the next day mm -hmm. and do it. So I'm trying something new. As long as it took, let's say it took like two years for me to get this way. It might take, it's not going to take two years, but it's not going to be a six week program. I could bounce back in 60 days. Do you see what I'm saying? But how sustainable is that? You see what I'm saying? If I go and now do a thousand crunches and a thousand pull-ups and, and all this. I'm not saying that like, I'm not saying that's you what are. like you should be doing or anything. But, but, but I this think... is the most important part is that my body recovers enough mm -hmm. to be able to wake up the next day and go at an 80 to 100% level. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. And then once you kind of get through that fog, because it is a fog, and then eventually you can just start to rank it up and keep going and going and going. But that takes time. It takes longer. But when you actually get there to be like, oh, yeah, we're doing heavy weights now, you're actually recovered. Instead of me just like breaking my shit down, hurting, and then being like, Let's just power through it. Mm -hmm. Like, just do it, do it, do it. Just start slow and work your way up and mm -hmm. actually don't let the slide back happen. Yeah. I think, I just think when, like with my goal of gaining weight, I make sure I eat more. I have my protein shakes. I got my bars, things like that. Um, that makes sense. I just felt like for your goal of like losing weight, it didn't seem like what you were doing was adding up to that goal. Mm -hmm. Like you're still eating shit. You know what I mean? Like you're not like you're not working out to the level that I in my head see someone that is like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to lose weight. 
this is how hard I'm training. And I'm not necessarily trying to lose weight. Mm. I'm trying to transform my body into something that's able to run five, ten miles Mm -hmm. and then go lift a good amount of weight consistently, Mm -hmm. multiple days a week. So that takes time. So I'm going off a feeling. Mm -hmm. So I can't just go hit the hill every single day, right? Because it'll I'll get there, but I'm not gonna be able to sustain that. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to build it. It's all off a feeling and I'm doing it the right way. Could I be doing better with nutrition stuff like that yeah but i don't really care about that because i'm young so i'm going to take youth to my advantage and um just ball out mm. and it'll get there mm-hmm. be just fine but yeah, i'm doing everything i can I'm mm-hmm. give myself an a plus as far as what's going on yeah. so that's the good part what do you want to close on i think some closing thoughts make sure that you do something that you love doing yeah what do you love doing I love going to the beach. I love being by myself. <laughs> I love being with you and Kino. Love being with friends. I actually, you know what I was thinking about yesterday? I was like, I'm going to wake up early and read today. Didn't happen. But actually, I want to get into more reading. I think you should get a new book. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into reading more. Mm-hmm. And now Spotify has the has the reading, audiobooks. I'm going to start doing that too, actually. Um if you if you have goals, if you want something, if you want to do something, do it. If yeah. it makes you happy, I think don't really, you know, worry too much about other people and this and that. Like ultimately it's like your life and you shouldn't live your life for anyone else. I love that. Yeah. And I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye.